As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landish, joined as always by Ari Wasserman. Second show this week because, uh, Ari, the Buckeyes started practice. Football is here. Football has returned. I've watched 10 periods of the 2021 Ohio State Buckeyes in fall camp, and I know every damn thing about this team. What do you want to know? How many yards were you away from the quarterbacks while they were throwing? Was it over 100? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably like 115. Yeah. <laughs> Could you even see who no, it was? they're so far away. I was talking. Uh, I was talking with Jeremy Birmingham, uh, Berm from Letterman Row at practice on on Friday, and we were standing next to each other, like trying to watch a little bit of seven on seven. And there's like defensive linemen standing in front of us, and then there's like nets behind them, and then tackling dummies, and then like these big like shoots that they have to run underneath, like practice proper pad level and i was like burn i'm starting to think that all these things blocking our view are strategically placed so that we can't see anything is like yep yeah, i think that's the case <laughs> i always think about that is just like they don't let us in <laughs> you know like if you want us to see it then we'll see it and if you don't then just what, what are we standing here for the thing that's i used yeah. to think that when i would stand there just like why if you don't want us to see this stuff why am i wasting my time here th- and it's not a complete waste of time but the thing that everybody wants to see is the thing that they try to hide from you which is hilarious because, like, it's going to be on national television in four weeks. Like, I get it. Like, whatever. The NFL opens training camp to everybody. And you know what? They still go play the games, and it doesn't matter what the media writes. So, like, uh, college football has always been that way and, like, super protective. Like, they're, you know, 
splitting the atom and putting putting nuclear bombs together in the middle of the field and we can't watch them do it. They're not. They're just playing football, and it's like I don't know what they lose if we're allowed to see who the second team left guard is, but you know they would prefer that we don't see that, I suppose. So can I say something kind of like a t- say a really funny yeah. story? That's kind of pertaining to this for, for whatever reason. And I think we've spoken about this in, in years past on this podcast. But in college football, there's this air of secretness or secret. What is it? What's the word? Secrecy. Secrecy. Thank You're you. Um, that is just around the teams. And I feel like it's like a paranoia. And I would use that word. And I was having a discussion with a um, – recruiting coordinator at a certain point uh in the last few years once i went to this new position and he said and this is a he used to work in an sec school and now he's in another power five school and he said that this program was so paranoid that they checked for bugs in the recruiting room every single time they made phone calls and i thought to myself you really think that somebody from another program is gonna bug your recruiting room you psychopath (laughs) And, like, he knows it's insane, but it's just, like, it would be interesting to me. Has there ever been one proven case of espionage in the history of the sport, and where did it come from? Yeah. It's like Pete Carroll's teams were open to the media, or anybody can go uh, to a practice when they were at the height of the Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart era. It was open to the public, and guess what? They still kicked everyone's yeah. ass. So it's just like... Um, what is the reason for it? What is the genesis of it? And I just, I'll never understand it. Is it like, cause they're children, uh, quote unquote children and have to be taken care of. They're amateurs. I don't know if that matters anymore in the world of NIL, all the things that go into play, but it's just like, we're not, this isn't Fort Knox here. You know, like it, yeah, people are interested in this. The people who support the program and buy the merchandise and the jerseys and the tickets to go watch the, the, the games care about this very much. So, disbursement of information what is it going to do give Oregon a leg up yeah I don't like I I am very much appreciative that they let us in there to watch even a little bit of practice because I think it's good to get around the players like see how guys have changed you know get a vibe for how guys coach what guys are like in practice like all that stuff I think like I I, there's something to glean from all that even if even if it's minimal but I just don't understand like the hard cutoff like okay we're lining up 11 on 11 now and you guys can't see that because we have we're, we're practicing a super secret play that Oregon's not ready for yet it's like we know what the deal is like i don't i just don't know why we can't watch a little more but you know I, we get to watch more under ryan day than i think we did under urban like we got to watch six periods of the first practice we got to watch four periods on friday we have three more viewing windows we have two next week and one uh the week after that like, like five of these is more than we've typically gotten in the past so, like i'm appreciative of all of it it's just funny to me sometimes like we got four periods today and period five rolls around and quinn temple the football ops guys getting on the mic telling Jerry Evans to get us all out of there because God forbid we see who the first team offense is on the third day of camp. And like I I guess they don't want us writing out what we think the depth chart is, but like we're gonna do that anyway. <laughs> so um and on some level I think it'd be better for us to have. Have more we have we made a decision too about whether or not the way that they line up for stretching or the order they go into when they're doing their jumping jacks and their high knees and all that stuff, if there's a correlation between the order they're in in those lines and, and the order they are in when they're doing drills? I don't think there's a much of a correlation between how they line up for stretching and then what they do in drills. For instance, um, the running backs, which I think this is worth talking about, maybe it'd be the first thing we kind of get into, is uh, when the running backs line up for stretching, Master Teague is first. He's the oldest guy in the room. Makes sense. 
when they go into drills and start doing like backfield drills with the quarterbacks or pass catching drills or really anything, the, the two times we've been there this week, Mayan Williams has been first. So like in my mind at the moment, Mayan Williams is the number one tailback. And I think that's the case in, in the mind of everyone. So like we didn't see them play 11 on 11. We saw them do some kind of seven on seven stuff in, in the two days, but just like very little bit of it. But like, I feel like I've seen enough to say that Mayan Williams is the, is the number one tailback right now. Is that just a passing drill? Yeah, uh, some passing drills, and then like you know they do the backfield action where they kind of like practice practice handing the ball off basically, and practice like running read options and stuff like that. Like my yeah, Mayan yeah goes no, first. That's, that's yeah, that's a uh, you know, I think that's something that's valuable in terms of what you could learn from that. I also know that things quickly change as camp progresses, and on day three, then you just go with the guy that you feel is the best, most experienced person. Yeah, but that would be um, Master Teague. And it wasn't. I don't know that you are a hundred percent certain that Master Teague, when healthy, was better than Mayan Williams last year. I agree, but I'm but if you're going with the veteran guy in the room, Master Teague, I'm, I'm saying it is noteworthy that Mayan Williams was first because that is different than what the expectation would be going into this camp based on Master Teague. Yeah, team. no, I agree yeah. with you. I agree with that. Yes. Um, and then, of course, every viewing period that you get, there's always one, usually one really good viewing period. Are you gonna? Is there like a student appreciation day or something where they? Is there anything like that? There's this no year? student appreciation day. There is like the Big Ten, Big Ten Network does its camp tour, and that is, I think, in two weeks. It's like the last media, the last viewing period we have, I think, is the 18th, and that's when the Big Ten is there. And it's always my dream. Like they always let us in because the Big Ten's like there anyway. So what's the point of not putting us in there? But the Big Ten Network gets to stay for the whole thing, and it's always my dream that we're standing there and like period six rolls around and that's when they're supposed to leave and then jerry Edmick, the sid just goes okay guys you can stay for the whole thing this time because the big 10 networks here and they're going to stay for the whole thing that has yet to happen in seven years covering the team and it probably won't happen this year but, and no offense to big 10 network but i always used to be mad about that and then i would watch the show that the big 10 network was on and they don't show anything or reveal anything of substance no they don't what and i think there's like a gentleman's agreement there that they don't do that but they still get the watch like i'd like the watch yeah Landis is the type of person that would just like to watch for his own entertainment. Yeah, I like watching football. But no, I you like going to practice. Love it. It's great. It's like my favorite thing that we get to do doing this job is get to go watch the team practice. My favorite thing to do doing this job was watching the team play games. I mean, the games are fun. I enjoy that, too. I think that watching practice was my least favorite thing to do because you never see enough to feel satisfied that you have the inside scoop and it's always ungodly hot outside. It is pretty warm. I think that the two things... That get me most fired up as a sports writer that like I get FOMO about like cover, doing something else in sports journalism is like when NFL training camp starts up and when spring training rolls around. And I'm, I think to myself, like, man, I wish I was covering that right now. That seems like fun. Spring training? Yeah. Well, spring training is also like in Florida and Arizona when it's cold as shit here. So that probably has something to do with it, too. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I like I like the buildup. Are you one of those people that tweets catchers and, and pitchers report in three right. weeks? Yeah. Three days until pitchers <laughs> yeah. and catchers report. Yeah. P- pitcher's fielding practice is important, man. It's the backbone of any good uh, championship ball club. Um, yeah. No, but I like I like this part of the year. I like the build up to the season. I like the speculation that comes with it, and I wish we could like watch a little more to further speculate, like get more information about it. But I still think that the little bit that we are able to watch, you can you can learn some things. For one, Mayan Williams. Like I think I think that is particularly noteworthy as we try to figure out like where Trevion Henderson fits, where Master Teague fits. Um, and, and how that is all going to break down. What was the whole pecking order? Then, so so that's what's it. interesting about it. So it's like Mayan is first and Master is second. 
and then Trey, and actually Crowley is third. Marcus Crowley is third. So it's like Mayan is first, and then they sort of fall in line by seniority. So it's Mayan, Master Teague, Marcus Crowley, then Trey Henderson, then Evan Pryor. Um, I don't. It's it's. This might sound counterintuitive. Like I don't read much into how they're lined up behind Mayan Williams, but I do read into Mayan Williams being first. Like, can can I do both those things? Yeah, I think you can. The thing too, and I, I don't know if you remember this, but like when Mayan Williams took carries last year in some of the mop up duties at the end of games, I was like, dude, that guy's really good. Yes. And I was like, is there a, is there any case to make him uh, or put him in a position where he gets more carries than Master Teague, so he's ready for the playoff? And it was kind of laughed off, I think, by most people who were listening to us. Yeah. And it's just like I don't know. My expectation is that Trey Henderson will be the leading uh, carries non quarterback at least uh, carries. And probably just in general, because uh, JT Barrett's not on the team anymore, <laughs> but and Urban Meyer's not the head coach. But I do think he's probably going to be the second leading rusher. Mayan, you mean? Mayan, yeah. yeah. No, I think so too. I'm trying to think, and like Mayan Williams only got—I don't know what he got eight carries last year. Um, but the, the few that he had against Clemson and what he did against an uh, admittedly bad Michigan State team when he got in that game. Pretty high up on the list, I think, of like most surprised I've been by a guy. If you factor in how he got here, his ranking when he showed up, frankly, like the physical conditioning what he was in when he got here. I remember, like, like Tony Alford talks about it all the time. Like he he considered Mayan Williams overweight when Mayan got here, and like didn't think he was going to be able to do anything in his first year. And then clearly, he did something in camp um, to to position position himself. To he wasn't the number two guy, but when he got those opportunities to get on the field. I thought he made the most of them and, and turned my head. I think he turned your head. He turned a lot of people's heads, including, I think, Ryan Day and Tony Alfred's to the point now where I think he is viewed as a difference maker at that position. I think I think he and Trey Henderson are the two guys who were a little different. I think Teague and Crowley, and if Steel Chambers is not in the room anymore, he's a linebacker, which I failed to mention. But Teague and Crowley, I think, are pretty similar, more similar than they are different. And Mayan Williams and Trey Henderson are very different from the rest of the group. And I think that's what's going to get those two guys on the field to be the leading carriers this year. Is Mayan Williams just a shifty Mike Weber? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's smaller, shorter than Mike Weber, um, and probably he's Mike Weber is maybe a little less of a bowling ball than than Mayan Williams is. But I think Mayan definitely has more wiggle to him. That's what was so impressive to me was his ability to make people miss. Yeah, Mike Weber was very fast, straight line, like faster than J.K. Dobbins' straight line, but I don't think was a real threat to kind of bounce it to the outside and beat you that way. And I think Mayan is a pretty physical runner in, in a similar vein to Mike Weber, but is a threat to bounce a run outside in the way that he wasn't. Do you think that it's a kind of a wrap on how much of a factor Master Teague is going to be on this team? Um, I think he can still find a role in short yardage. I, I do. Want, he's so big that I wonder, like, about pad level when he's in those situations. But he, he because he is so big, I do think you could use him in like short red zone. Um, in short yardage. I'll be interested to see if they do anything with two backs in the backfield this year, just because they have that depth and maybe they want to be a little more multiple. Um, but yeah, like I'm not, I'm not expecting master Teague to get like anything close to the workload that he's had really previously. Like he was the true number two to JK two years ago, the rush for 700 something yards. He was the guy for long stretches of, of last year, and I think this year it's it's something short of that for sure. Um, and it's just like a, you know I, he's not a bad player. I actually like Master T quite a bit, but 
it, he, I just don't think he can do the same things as, as Mayan Williams and Trey Henderson are going to do. Don't you think that if you combine Master Teague and Mayan Williams, you'd have the perfect running back? Yeah, you'd have like, uh, you know, like Derrick Henry. <laughs> Does Derrick Henry make people miss? No, I think he just kind of runs through them. Who's a big guy? Yeah, Who's like a big guy that makes people miss? Adrian yeah. Peterson? Jerome, Jerome Bettis. Bettis, the bus. You don't <laughs> want to call him the bus because he's afraid of flying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why people listen to the show anymore, man. <laughs> I really don't. Thanks so much for bearing with us. It's a great show. It's the Internet's number one Ohio State podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple. Help us out. The Athletic. Yeah, we haven't gotten any reviews in a long time, and it would really help us to uh, have more shows and to have our bosses feel like this is worth doing if we got more reviews. Yeah. So if you like the show and you and you uh, want us to keep doing it and you want more of them, then the more support in the comments and the reviews, the yeah. better. And we appreciate yeah. all of them. The download numbers are good. Just to, like you know, to be here, like I think that the show is growing, and we appreciate that. But you know, a five star review here and there will help us out too. And Ari will give you a yeah. car wash. That deal yeah. still stands. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, so that's enough, I think, on, on the running backs. Um, yeah, can we get to the good shit already? So we talked, what are we doing we, here? <laughs> we talked to the quarterbacks on Tuesday and then watched the first practice on Wednesday and then watched practice again on Friday when we're recording this. I, I don't want to oversell it and pretend like we got a whole lot out of quarterback interviews. I like I thought it was valuable to hear these guys talk about themselves because they haven't done that really since they've been on campus. And like, you know, they all like Kyle McCord is is a little more rocked up than he used to be and he said he's he's uh feels like he has more power throwing the ball and it's more effortless and CJ Stroud said similar things and, and Jack Miller you know, kind of said that, you know, he didn't have the best spring game, but he felt like the body of work in the spring was pretty good. Like all that was good to hear. Corey Dennis didn't say shit about the quarterbacks. Like he was, it was a, it was a master class in saying nothing about position. Your coach. What do the quarterbacks coach say about the quarterbacks? Corey Dennis. Oh, Ryan Day. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> you know, not the same stuff he's always said. It's like you can't, you can't get anything specific about the quarterbacks from either of them. And like I get it, but um, they also couldn't talk about Quinn Ewers. So it's like because he's still technically a prospect. So it's like it was uh, the people, the players talked about him a little bit, but. Uh, nothing particularly earth shattering was the name quinn yours uttered yeah 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 like cj stroud was like oh, i like quinn's a cool cool guy i'm happy he can get money um kyle mccord said uh like he thinks quinn's a good player he's excited for him to get here jack miller was like i am not talking about quinn yours which was kind of funny um because i guess like they told him not to and then one of the guys listened um ryan like didn't answer it because he couldn't he said we'll cross that bridge when we get to it like doug asked Corey dennis a question about it and then got cut off before Corey could even answer it so like they're just not talking about it. He's not here yet. Um, 
so there's like nothing new to report on that except for like the three quarterbacks seem to just be operating like this is like business as normal because they're I don't think expecting Quinn to be a major factor in the camp battle. Is there any insight in when when Quinn's going to be? No, there? I tried to get some, um, like kind of after interviews, talking to some people, and uh, it was like this was on Tuesday, so I haven't talked to anybody since then. But that was like kind of still up in the air. Um, I think like sometime next week at the earliest. But I think it's also like, – they're still trying to figure out the eligibility stuff and, and get his last credits finished. So it could even be like mid-August he could be here. So Every week that goes by where he's not on campus is another week where it's less and less likely he's going to play. So that's something that's really important to track. Yeah. I, I think we said that when we did our Quinn podcast earlier this week. Like I, I'm just not expecting him to be part of the camp battle. I just – I don't think it's feasible with, with his timeline. So, I mean, the, can he play this year is a different conversation. But can he win the job in camp? Like, no. I don't, he's not going to have enough time to do so. Um, watching the quarterbacks, I, I, I get, like, again, they're a mile away from us, and it's like seven-on-seven seven stuff, so I don't want to make too much of it. But – it's just like adding on to the fact that in my mind, like CJ Stroud and Kyle McCord are just, you know, there's another level there compared to Jack Miller with the way they throw the ball, um, the consistency, which, which they throw at the accuracy. And then I think on top of that, and then you just kind of like separate CJ and Kyle watching them, like Kyle McCord, there are throws in the ball just really, really jumps out of his hand. And it's like, like you get taken aback by it a little bit. Um, but play to play, it just, seems like from what we see anyway that cj shroud is, is just more consistent and, and i continue to think that that's what's going to win him the job but man if it if it clicks for kyle mccord like somewhere and there's a lot of lot of camp left he's definitely talented enough to win the job i think i think he is going to push cj stroud like in like the, the most that a guy can be pushed in, in, a, in a quarterback competition like this and if it does click for him if he just starts stringing together play after play the way that it looks like kind of cj is doing right now I don't know. Like I, I leave some door open for Kyle McCord to be the starter. Maybe it's only open a little bit, but I'm not closing it on him. As much as, as like everyone asks me who's going to be a starter, I say C.J. Stroud because I think that's the the only answer you can give. But I would not totally dismiss Kyle McCord in this competition just yet. What is it about what you're seeing from McCord in terms of inconsistency that makes you believe that he's not hitting it all the way? Like, is it errant throws? Is it? You know, not knowing. I think the ball. Yeah, I think we saw in the spring game too. Like the ball just comes out a little hot sometimes, um, and I think that maybe that is a product of what Ryan Day talks about a lot. Like trying, you know, don't try to win the job on on every individual throw. Just like stack good plays on top of good plays. Like that's boring stuff in coach speak, and I like I fully admit that. But I think that's real, um, and I think that like CJ has just a little more of a of a calmness to him that maybe is is brought out by the fact that he knows that he's got a little bit of a lead in this and maybe Kyle sometimes is just pushing it a little too much to try to close that gap and when he does that he could be a little errant on a throw and they're like there are other stuff like we're not in the meeting rooms obviously we don't get to see them IDing defenses and calling out protections and really like any super competitive reps to speak of so we're basing this off a super small sample size but I do still think it's evident that CJ Stroud is just a little more um, composed, I think is a good word for it, but I don't. I don't think it is a huge gap that Kyle McCord can't make up. I still just think he's a young player and he's got plenty of time to do it. And I think he, he is capable of doing it in this camp. So you said that McCord gives you a few wows every now and then, right? Mm-hmm. Does CJ Stroud wow you, or is yeah, he just yeah, more for consistent? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there's a little more life on Kyle's ball than there is on CJ's, but but yeah, CJ. He made a, I mean, I mean, it's routes on air, so like, whatever. 
but he had a couple really nice balls over the middle during, during routes on air that like were, were on target, hit the receiver in stride, um, you know, good velocity on it. Didn't didn't seem to have to exert a whole lot of effort to get it there. Um, and and I think that's that both those guys. There's there's an, I think we said before there's an effortless effortless effortlessness with C.J. Stroud secrecy. And and I think and I think you're starting to see it more and more with Kyle McCord as well. Um, it's just that CJ's still a little bit ahead, but yeah, there's there's definitely some wow in, in CJ's game, and I also think that something you can't really get a read for is is like athleticism and what they can do with their legs when given the chance, and, and CJ's got a little bit of that to him too, probably more than than Kyle. Although I will say another I thing that, that came CJ out of, Stroud was more of a pro style view. They all are. They all yeah. they all are for sure. I mean, CJ Stroud like a forty five yard touchdown run against Michigan he State, did, like yeah. he can move. <laughs> um, but to that point, like. CJ Stroud was talking on Monday and he said something along the lines of like somebody asked about like learning from Justin and what they picked up and they said all the right things about it. But then the other thing CJ said too was like, well, the, the offense is going to be different because we're not Justin. Like we're, we're all not that kind of athlete. We're not, we're all not that kind of runner, which is like in my mind, like kind of set off the alarm bells for like some of the RPO stuff that I think we were talking about in the spring. I think there's going to be, not that there was a ton of quarterback run element in this offense since Ryan Day has taken over, but I think there's going to be even less of it now without Justin Fields in the mix. And and I think the the way that they kind of like manipulate defenders and, and do that kind of stuff is going to change and change in a way where they're throwing more RPOs because I think all these guys are, are that more suits them than you know the quarterback run game did, does. Did Ohio State ever really truly run an RPO if the quarterback never kept it? Uh, if a tree yeah, falls like, in the think, forest, does it make a noise? I mean, like I don't know, right? Some of the RPO stuff in Day's offense is like quarterback reads an off corner before the snap and then like pulls the ball and throws a hitch to Garrett Wilson outside the hashes like that. Like they don't do a whole lot of middle of the field RPO stuff, in my opinion. I think it's in there, but they haven't done much of it yet. And I wonder if some of that was like Justin Fields doesn't have the quickest trigger in the world and maybe it didn't quite suit him. But I think that maybe McCord and and Stroud do, and it would suit them better. So I'm expecting to see more of that in lieu of the quarterback run game that you're just not going to be able to do as much because you're not, they're not quite the threat that Justin was. I know that you have a very small sample size in terms of, of what you're able to see, and you're 500 yards away, and you're looking through uh, swimming goggles. But I, I was just wondering, C.J. Stroud and Kyle McCord had very different recruitments, right? Kyle McCord was a five-star stud from the beginning, Talent was off the charts. You could tell right away uh, early on that he was going to be great. C.J. Stroud went to the opening, uh, was a three-star prospect, and shot up to the rankings into the top 50 at the end of his high school career. Is Kyle McCord more baseline talented than C.J. Stroud? Hmm. I think he is a better passer. Yeah, I think I, I feel pretty confident saying that. Like, Light years better, no, but better. I think he's just like a more natural thrower of the football than CJ is. But part of that too might be that like Kyle McCord is a son of a quarterback and like grew, like trains with like uh, Phil Sims and his sons. Like I don't know if CJ Stroud was doing all that. So um, I don't know. That's a good question. Now I'm now I'm like second guessing myself. And it's not something that you're probably supposed I think to even maybe, have the answer to, but it's just like an interesting I, lens to look through the the discussion because when you're talking about stars and all the stuff that matters like the quarterback position i think is the hardest to evaluate but also the most over evaluated and um 
a lot of experts and a lot of eyeballs are on there, and Kyle McCord was always viewed as one of the most talented players in his class, and it didn't take the opening to get there. Yeah. I think maybe Kyle McCord has, like, had his his natural talents, I think, like, developed a little more to this point than C.J. Stroud has. But I think if you're going to say that and then look at a situation where right now it still feels like C.J. is ahead of him, that's, you, I think you'd have to say that C.J. is probably just a little more naturally gifted um, if, he's, if he's put himself in this position without some of that. Um, and I might be speaking out of school there because I'm not, I'm not totally familiar with like CJ's development and, and all like what he went through as a young player. Um, but I know that Kyle's was pretty extensive. Um, so that's probably given him a bit of a leg up, but you know, if you're, if you're going to say that, then I think you have to give CJ credit for putting himself where he is. If he, yeah. if he didn't have quite all that. So, yeah, I don't know. I still think I, I still see nothing to this point. And granted, they've only had three practices and we saw half of two of them. Um, I've not seen anything to, change my mind that CJ is going to be the strout the be the starter, excuse me. But um it was good to be reminded just sort of like like Kyle McCord's got something to him. Like in talking with Kyle McCord and watching him throw the football, like that kid, whatever whatever the it thing is that people talk about, like he's got it. Um I just don't know if it's gonna be enough for him to win the job in this camp, but I think it makes him capable of doing so. And I'm like I'm I'm on alert for it. I'm not on alert for Jack Miller to make a move. I'm not on alert for Quinn Ewers to do something when he gets here. But I am on a little bit of alert for Kyle McCord to make this interesting. Yeah, it's kind of just like you gotta just wait another week and see if something else uh you know pops in practice or something happens. But um what do you think is the way that this has to be done? In terms of like timeline and yeah. stuff? I think I mean if I if I were doing it I would give Jack or I would give CJ and Kyle all the first team reps um, through all of next week and maybe like most of the week after that. And then, and then after that week start settling, I think maybe for the next two weeks, I would give CJ and Kyle all the first team reps for the next two weeks, split them evenly, see how they do. And then, you know, pick your head up after that and then try to hone in on a starter because that's when that, that's when you're at the time where that guy needs to, start getting all the reps with the ones and then developing that chemistry before the Minnesota game. Just so that's if I understand I think, this correctly, Jack is still taking first-team reps, right? For, uh, yeah, I, it's hard to say because like, we didn't see any 11-on-11, so it's hard for me to say that. I would say I would say it more feels like CJ is like out in front a little bit and like Kyle and Jack are kind of splitting things. Um, and maybe in their minds, like it's not worth splitting up CJ and Kyle, and like CJ should just get all the first team reps. And like if you feel that way, that's fine. But if it's still truly open, I would not leave it open to three. I would leave it open to two and let CJ and Kyle kind of duke this out for the next two weeks and then pick a guy. And now that's I guess I, I guess like, does it, does Quinn Ewers' existence in the program now change the way that you would do it? No, because I think that Ohio State didn't want to go into the. Um, fall with two quarterback scholarship players who could actually play and now that you have viewers on the roster I think you can be a little bit more aggressive and, and you risk, you and mean like like, risk the chance of losing one of them oh yeah no I think I mean I think they know they're going to lo- before I, the season starts I don't think they would ever say it but I think in the back of Ryan Day and Corey Dennis's mind they don't they don't truly believe that they're going to get to September 2nd with all four of those guys on the roster um, maybe they will, and I'll give them credit that well, they what's do. What's the transfer but I, I don't, scenario I don't right now? If somebody transfers before the season starts, can they go on another team and play already? 
No, you have to transfer so it's like, by. What do you gain by doing it early? By that's. I mean, that's another good point. I guess it depends on where you think you are. Because if you're if you're going to be number two, like if I'm Kyle McCord, let's just say like CJ wins the job and Kyle McCord's number two to start the year. If I'm Kyle McCord, I would not feel some impetus to leave because like you're number two, you're you know you're one broken trench step away from getting in the game, and who knows what can happen once you get in there. Maybe you play your ass off and then you win the job. Um, so I would stay. Like I think that's not, that that to me is a better spot to be in than to like go to wherever your next program is and like try to learn a playbook and be a back and like not be able to play there. I'd much rather be the number two at all. No, but I, but I was yeah. getting at though, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but as you said, if you were the coach, you would give two players one reps. And I just want to take names out of it because I don't want to disparage anybody. Too late. Would you be more inclined to do that now that yours is a safety net? Is what I'm saying. It's like you can make that decision earlier in camp and get the reps to the people that you think they deserve to get the earlier. Because now, no matter what, you could f- probably feel good about going into the fall with three scholarship quarterbacks rather than just two. I would, yeah. Like you're asking me, like, would I be would I worry less about sort of like ruffling feathers? Because you yeah, know would you, you be worried less about Jack Miller or C.J. Right. Stroud or one of the three Anyone's leaving feelings. in the next two weeks? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think you'd have to be. So, yeah. you know, and I think that, that, does, that also yeah. could be like a hidden bonus to getting Quinn Ewers in the program earlier because now you can be more aggressive and more, you know, purposeful with what you want to do with your reps leading into the season. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Fall Guy, only in theaters May third. Rated PG thirteen. The way they, the way that Ryan Day talks to us, like gives off the appearance that they are concerned with, like the feelings and the managing of egos here. I don't know how much that enters their mind in practice. I'm, I'm sure it does a little bit, and it's not to say that like I think they like they like all these guys. I think they're all good guys. I think they're like good players in the room, and like they're good guys to talk to and stuff like i'm not trying to be dismissive of people like you said i think we're trying to be real about the state of the position and i think there's clearly two guys who are in the mix to be started right now um so i don't know i guess it does give you a little bit of a security blanket to to concern yourself even less with that but i'm not so sure how much that's front of mind for them right now anyway yeah it's just like all of this is just so interesting because it's not just about figuring out who's going to play the first series of the first game it's also like how do you manage it so that you preserve your team the best way that you can too it's like a drama yeah yeah um a couple other things before we get we'll get out of here um just quickly on the offensive line stuff like the first day we were out there like josh fryer was getting the first reps with the starters and then when we were out there on friday it was matthew jones at left guard like, like that's very much i think a competition that's going to carry on for a while between those two guys and the other thing that i thought was notable on the offensive line on friday was 
like Donovan Jackson, which like to no, no surprise to me and Ari because I think we're big Donovan Jackson fans. Looks like he's like already with the twos. He's been here for you know a month and a half, two months, and I, I think he's positioned himself really well. I, I, again, another guy who I would give some small percentage chance of, of potentially winning a job. Uh, like gun to my head, I wouldn't pick it, but um, noteworthy. I think that he's he was like the second team right guard behind Parrish Johnson from what I saw on Friday which is a pretty good spot for him to be in. And if he can work his way to the other side and battle with Josh Fryer and Matthew Jones, who the word on both from Ryan Day's mouth is like they both struggle with consistency. Um, if that carries over into camp, that leaves the door open for Donovan Jackson. Uh, it's happening. <laughs> him starting. I've been talking about him starting and putting him into existence for like three, six, what, six months now? The guy's a stud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy's a stud. I think he's a he's he when you see him on the field, um, he is perhaps maybe not quite as big as you'd expect him to be. He's built kind of like Nick Petit Frere, but maybe like a hair shorter. Um, but he's really long; like he has the length to play tackle, just not like the the kind of height that we're used to seeing from that position. Which is why I think some people who evaluated him as a recruit thought he could maybe be a right tackle if needed to be. Um, but yeah, um. I watched him and uh, Enoch Vimahi fire off on a combo blocking drill, and like that was enough for me. Like I'm, I'm all in on Donovan Jackson. Yeah, good, good. I'm happy yeah. we agree on that. Yeah. So that would be uh, their offensive line is uh, former number one overall tackle Nick Petit Frere, former number one overall tackle Paris Johnson, former number one overall center Harry Miller. Former number one overall guard Donovan Jackson, and then like Thayer Munford, who's turned into a dude in five years here. Pretty good. That <laughs> offensive line makes me feel like Ohio State can win a national championship. Yeah, and like you know, I think they could too. Even if it's not Donovan Jackson, and it's and it's Matthew Jones, who was a, who was I think the number one center too when he came out, um, and top one hundred player. Like I think they're also good. But, like, it's just sort of like I wrote about in the spring, like, their depth on the offensive line and kind of how staggering it is. And then, like, seeing it on the field, it's like they're really good and they're really deep. And I think there's like eight guys that you could play and feel good about. At least eight guys. And maybe it's more than eight now that you have Donovan Jackson. Should we just be publicly apologizing to Stud? Like, I don't know. It's like we got here somehow. It's like it doesn't even matter. It's like, hard. It's like weird. Yeah. Like, how do we get here? I do think he develops guys well. Um, I think he it's, – it's, he's an interesting study because I think he develops tackles better than he develops interior guys, but he recruits interior guys better than he recruits tackles. It doesn't quite add up, and I'm getting ready to write a story about like whether or not this is going to change with tackle based on like how Thayer Munford, Nick Petit, and Paris Johnson come along. Um, but it is kind of interesting because every time they miss a five-star attacker, they're like, what the hell is going on? And then you look at their offensive line, like, man, they look really good. I think it's just masked because a lot of the five stars that he's gotten are in-state prospects. So, like, yeah. the in-state Paris Johnson type existence is kind of masking the lack of national prowess. But, like, this line is the exact type of line that you want when you're done. Yeah, Like, after right. you're done accumulating talent for two or three years, like, this is this is the end game. So... I guess it doesn't really matter how Ohio State got there. There was some fortune with the fact that Paris Johnson lived in Ohio, you know, and the fact that they were able to bounce back and get Nick Petit Freer, um, which was a national prospect. But, like, they, they ended up getting here somehow. So um, kudos to, to them for doing that. Yeah. Uh, some stuff on the defense. Um, 
Steel Chambers is a linebacker, as I said earlier. I don't know what he's going to be able to do for them there, but I think it's an interesting move for him. Uh, Palier Nooteote is like practicing, but not with the ones, like not with the twos, and they're still waiting to see if he's going to be eligible. And until that happens, Ryan Day was like, we can't give him the top reps because we don't know if he's going to be able to play, which I think makes sense. But he looks like a million bucks out there. Like if you said, like find the five star prospect, the five star linebacker on the field, like you would you would pick him out rather quickly. Um, JT Tuimaloal looks the part 100% like a guy that catches your eye when you're just watching dudes run around. Um, Javante Jean-Baptiste like remains that kind of guy too. Um, Court Williams is like moving around. I like see him at safety. You see him a bullet you see him like covering the slot a little bit. Um, Jansen Dunn is playing cover safety that, that uh, like Sean Wade role. It's, it's like Marcus Williamson and Lathan Ransom and Jansen Dunn and Cam Martinez are kind of in that spot. And then all the other corners are outside, and then the safeties are Josh Proctor, Court Williams, and Bryson Shaw. Um, but we have not seen, like, in my opinion, we've not seen really much of anything to make any kind of judgments on what the defensive depth chart might look like or even how they're going to line up. But I will say, like, Cam Martinez, or not Cam Martinez, Cameron Brown, who did not do much on the first day because Ryan Day said he's on a pitch count coming back from an Achilles injury, made two really nice plays in a seven on seven drill on Friday. Um, one pass breakup on the sideline, another over the middle, kind of like on a slant, like Kerry Combs went nuts when it happened. And it was just a reminder of, I think he can be a pretty good player for them. And I think he was, was positioned to do that last year before he got hurt. And I think people were high on him before that injury happened. And if you want to wonder about like maybe how explosive he is coming off that injury, like he looked pretty explosive. This was a, this was a guy who I think would have been in the conversation for fastest guy on the team last year did not, appear to have lost much of his explosion after that Achilles injury. And if he's going to be a guy who you can trust at outside corner, um, that's going to go a long way for the defense. I think seven banks is one of those guys. And I think one of the other young players will emerge too. I would feel pretty, pretty good about them. Like finding three who can work out there. If Cam Brown is going to be like the Cam Brown that he was before he got hurt. Yeah. If he year. can be that, I mean, that's a major boost. It's almost like a recruiting one. It is. It kind of feels that way. Cause you just totally forgot about him last year. And like, we didn't talk enough about, how much that hurt their depth after he went down. It's just because the young guys weren't ready to play. And we didn't realize year. the significance of it when it happened either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I, they talked more about that in the spring, and Kerry Combs kind of reiterated it when we talked to him on Friday. But um, I think there's still some timidness there. And, and Kerry said, like, that's the kind of, kind of injury that has a real mental block because it just kind of happens freakishly. It's like you don't, you didn't do anything wrong. Your Achilles just popped and. Um, I think you know you, you may be a little hesitant to really go full bore after something like that happens, which is why I think Cam Brown is is on a pitch count. But he really didn't do any competitive stuff on Wednesday when we watched, and then he was doing it on Friday when we watched. So I thought that was an encouraging sign for him. And again, he made some nice plays. And um, I'm going to spend the next few days, I think, trying to talk myself down from like Demario McCall like being an actual contributor. Climb the ladder, I heard this year. <laughs> He made a really nice pass breakup on on Wednesday, and like, Kerry Kerry Combs was like, "Demario's going to play," and I was like, oh, "I don't, I don't know. I don't know I've fallen, that, into, yeah. I, I've fallen into this trap before." Um, he stole my heart. <laughs> yeah, but he's just like, I like, I like listening to Demario talk, and like, I didn't, I was standing by him today. I was like, I'm not going to ask him any questions because I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to fall for it again. No offense to Mario, but like, I've been hurt before. Um, but like he's a hard guy not to root for. He just is a very captivating personality, always smiling, 
Um, and like, I appreciate about that about him, especially being a six year guy who's like never really got on the field and whose career hasn't gone the way he thought it would. Um, so I give him credit for trying something different. I don't know how much he's going to play, but they seem to like what he's done thus far at cornerback. So mm-hmm. I don't know. How much do you think he's going to play? Zero. Yeah. I think, I think the play would be to set expectations low as if to not have them so that when he gets on the field, we can all celebrate together. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say zero. I think he'll probably play mop-up duty. Yeah. It's not totally new for him. Like, he played in high school, which I guess I didn't realize. Um, And I do think it's a pretty technical position, but also, like, if you're just, like, an athlete and you're a dude, like, I think you can transition to it somewhat comfortably if you're just asked to, like, hey, cover this guy man-to-man. So I don't know. Maybe it's easier for him in that way, but... Like, Seven Banks and Cam Brown, I think, are very clearly better than him, and I would be pretty surprised if, like, he somehow plays ahead of Legend Cavazos or Ryan Demario Watts. McCall, first uh, team All-Big Ten cornerback, 2022, 2021. I can't. So, they kicked us out after the fourth period on Friday, and, like, I did that thing where, like, you walk backwards when they tell you to leave so you can, like, get the last glimpse of practice before they yank you by the backpack and pull you into the building. And I think I saw Demario go out with the ones. I think it was kind. Of, it was either right, number one or you were, number seven. You were, uh, you, it it, was it could a, have been a mirage. It was, <laughs> but I think I saw it. Where was Bigfoot? He was down the other end of the field with the quarterbacks. <laughs> Can you make yourself see something you want to see? Next? Yeah, I saw Tate Martell out there. Yeah, yeah Tate Martell was with yeah. the ones too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So that's why I said I think I don't. My eyes could have been playing tricks on me because deciphering one and a seven from the distance we were at is a little tricky. And I was walking backwards trying not to fall over and make an idiot out of myself. But anyway, I'm not – I'm pulling for DeMario. I just picture the, the Leonardo DiCaprio in front of the TV tray. <laughs> yeah, the point. Yeah. Yeah. Look, yeah. yeah. That's how it felt. I was like, wait, what? There he is. So I don't know. Keep an eye on Demario, I suppose, but I think it was much more worth, noteworthy. If it's like real, if it's over. real, you'll get it. You'll get wind of it. Very yeah, yeah, soon. yeah. And we, yeah, and we and we have more to watch too. We have we have three more practices to watch, and and hopefully, it's a little more extensive than it was uh, on Friday. So anyway, that, that's where things are. Um, kind of as the first week of camp winds down a little bit. There are three practices in thus far. I think they have another one on Saturday. I don't think they're going Sunday. And then we'll be in there watching again on. Tuesday, I think next Tuesday and Thursday we watch. Talk to Ryan Day next week. Talk with Stud in the offensive line next week. Talk with Al Washington and the linebackers next week. So we'll have more to report on that as Ohio State gets closer to the start of the 2021 season. Ari, anything to add before we sign off here? Feels good to be going twice a week uh, again, bud. Uh, we're, we're back. Yeah. I'm going to Denver on a boys trip next weekend, so I don't know how that's going to impact. Funny, uh, I didn't get to catch the invite, though. Yeah, I just... Uh, Figured you might have something going on. I guess I'm busy. Yeah. yeah. Denver's nice. I like Denver. I could have had a good time in Denver. Yeah. It's not too late. Yeah. That's true. I mean, I think I got some Southwest points I can. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can stay with me. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Well, that's cool. No, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, yeah. I don't know if we'll do two next week or one, but we'll do at least one next week for sure because there's more to talk about with camp. So uh, thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Mm-hmm.